Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So going over this uh, this propaganda effort from Hamas and in partnership with bad actors like Iran, Hezbollah, um, Islamic Jihad, like these different jihadist groups and state um, uh, state actors, state leaders, but also our media. Our media that has been trying to both sides this thing from the very beginning, from October 7th. And I guess they're terrified of their audience. I guess they're terrified of having the kinds of protests in front of their door that they're seeing in the streets. Did you see the one, where was it? I think it was Dallas or Houston. I mean, there's like thousands of people out in the street. Like during a work day, during work hours. Like, First off, shouldn't you guys be working? But, <laughs> or no. Um, yeah, pro-Palestinian, just waving flags, screaming and yelling, river to the sea, you know, genocide the Jews and all this. See, this is a clarifying moment. If you think that you were the kind of person that would have stood up against the Nazis, if you think you're the kind of person that would have uh, hidden Anne Frank and her family in your attic, knowing that if they, if the authorities caught you, that you'd be put to death. And everybody thinks that they're the kinds of people that would stand up to the Nazis and would hide Anne Frank, when in actuality, most people are not. And you're seeing it right now. You're seeing it right now. Um. Charles C.W. Cook, writing at National Review, uh, who I have to say has been doing, uh, National Review has done a really excellent job so far in their coverage. Um, he says the, uh, the progressives' response to Hamas atrocities, or would that be Hamasities? Sounds like, yeah. They never believed their own crap. They never believed it. For the left, it was all garbage. We knew that. I mean, I, I, like, if you're listening to this program, right, you knew that this was all crap. But I hope there are people that are now becoming aware that weren't before how much of this woke code of morality was just crap. And Charles C.W. Cook uses a lot of words first off that I don't know how to pronounce or understand. So I'll probably just like skip those or just mispronounce them badly and then skip over it as if I knew what it said. But anyway, he says it was all stuff and nonsense. Oh, he's also British. Not that I hold that against him. He's an American citizen now. Um, But he, you know, he's, so he sounds like really smart because he has the accent. I don't know what it is. You get a British accent and people think you're smart. I don't know why. Anyway, all that talk of hate speech All that talk about accountability culture and systemic oppression and the need to ensure that everybody in the community feels safe at all times, right? All of that. thats It was all just baloney. About 15 minutes passed between the news of the atrocities committed by Hamas and the crumpling of the progressive creed. Just 
pick any, at random, pick a fashionable idea about the ideal limits of free expression. What are the, Just pick any of these limits, like tone policing, right? Or believe all women, right? That was, that was a restriction on your speech because it was like, you don't have, no, 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 you can't say that she, she is not the victim. You can't defend that guy. She made the accusation you need to believe all women, right? That's a, that's a restriction on free expression. And think about all these things that just immediately collapsed, just immediately on October 7th. Tone policing's gone. Believe all women evaporated. The insistence that silence is violence, right? Or uh, uh, neutrality is complicity. And so, therefore, all the institutions have to come out and say, you know, uh, speak about any injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere and all of that. No, no, no. All that goes away. All of that into the into the trash bin. In the annals of bad human ideas, has an ideology ever been as swiftly hollowed out as was this one? For more than a decade, our universities, our media, HR departments, celebrities, they have terrorized us with a bunch of vicious dogmas that, it turns out, they never believed in. Not for a moment. In the name of diversity and inclusion and equity and any other abstract concept that might plausibly be recruited, Americans were asked to subordinate their freedoms, their conversations, their consciences to the personal preferences of a handful of unelected arbiters of taste. And then, one terrible day in October, a real barbarity was staged. And within a few hours of the rules being applied to its apologists, to them, the whole enterprise was revealed to be a brittle sham. The whole thing collapsed, right? Because now they're like, you know, death to Israel. They're like chanting river to the sea. They're like, actually, decolonizing is exactly what we're witnessing. And, And they're making all of these excuses for the beheading of babies, the raping of women, the burning alive of elderly people, right? The massacring of, of 1,400 people. All of this is now excusable. And people coming out and, and saying yay to this. Well, that's not a violation of your safe space. Oh, no, no. You don't have any right to not be offended by this. Or they're, they're, they're advocating genocide. Hey, you know what? I might not want that person to work for me. Right? I might not want to hire that person especially if they're going into the field of law, right? Yeah, I probably don't want some genocidal maniac on the payroll. Oh, no, no, wait, wait, no, you can't blacklist them. Oh, really? You're the ones that have been digging up tweets and and messages from kids in junior high and then using it to get them disqualified from their scholarship at college. But you chanting death to the Jews, that's not a disqualifying thing? I just want to make, I want to make that clear, right? You can scream... River to the sea, genocide, that's all fine, but somebody quotes a song lyric that has a bad word in it, and now their life is ruined. Okay, yeah, you never believed in the standard. The sensitivity industrial complex is what Cook calls it. The sensitivity industrial complex was nothing more than a front for the advancement of progressivism. That's exactly right. And he had a, he says, I had assumed, given the amount of effort that had gone into its construction— that the architects 
and the adherents of woke America might at least pretend to live by their own entreaties for a while, right? Just for a little bit. No, I was wrong. They turned on a dime. One day they were telling people who did not think that women have penises that there remained no place for them in a polite society. No, no, no. You can't have that opinion. Men and women are different. You can't change your gender. No, no, you can't. You, if you say that, you're fired. You are excommunicated from the society. But the very next day, they're explaining how important it is for college students to be able to celebrate genocide in public. See, I guess the thing is like cutting off your own body parts is different than cutting off somebody else's body parts. Maybe that's the, I don't know. All of a sudden, it wasn't so important to speak out, right? All of a sudden, the all lives matter became self-evident instead of a slur. Without warning, the banishment of students who make rhetorical mistakes moved from mandatory to not a big deal. No, no, no. They, They just made a mistake. Look, they signed up to a club. The club was like, you know, we hate the Jews club and, um... I mean, they had no idea what they were signing on to. And then they put out this letter. I didn't even read the letter. What are you talking about? Beneath the extended game of Calvin ball, that is contemporary wokeism, there's never been anything more substantive in it except grubby self-interest. That's all it's been about. By the way, for folks who don't know, Calvin ball comes from the old comic strip Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson. Fantastic comic strip. And they're actually based off of the philosophers. But Calvin's the kid. His little stuffed tiger is Hobbes. And the stuffed tiger comes alive and they play games together and stuff. And they, Anyway, so Calvin Ball was this game that they would play where they would make up the rules as they go along. That was it. And that's what wokeism is. In Israel, we saw heinous terrorist attacks on one of the most relentlessly targeted groups in human history. The civilian victims raped, mutilated, beheaded, set on fire by a group of perpetrators that by its own admission does not consider its targets to be human and desires to rid the planet of them. That the group that was affected by this abominable crime was not covered by the censor's expansive protective superstructure. Indeed, that superstructure was abandoned. It reveals how worthless and self-serving the whole edifice was. And how cynical its designers have been. You could totally tell he's British, right? Just by the way he writes. (laughs) But it's true. What he's explaining here is true. Right? If ever there was a people that this should protect, that your wokeism infrastructure should be able to be put into service in defense of them, this was the opportunity to do so. And what did you do with it? You turned it against them. It was farce the whole time. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. 
There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. Let's go to the phone lines now, and here is Bob. Welcome to the program, Bob. How are you? Hey, Pete. How are you doing today? I'm all right. What's going on? I love your show, man. Thanks, sir. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about how, you know, I guess at first, you know, in 47, the first couple of wars could have been, been about who owns the land, you know, who, who is, who has, you know, sovereignty over the property, but it's no longer about, do you remember the Fedayeen? Oh gosh. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. That's a while ago. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. You know, I mean, my, my argument is that Israel has always been on the defense. Mm -hmm. They've never attacked, you know, now granted they might have a, they might have a, an aggressive defensive posture, but, uh, 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 you know, they've never attacked Gaza. No, they, you know, yeah, never... so the only one they did in, they, that they initiated was the preemptive attack against the Arab nations who were fixing to invade them, and they went and blew up right. the Egyptian Air Force, and that's why the war only lasted six days. Exactly, exactly. And so my point is, is that, you know, Israel, but... What makes me upset is that, you know, you were talking a minute ago about how all the hypocrisy in the media, you know, and uh, all the hypocrisy with the left, you know. Mm -hmm. What makes me angry is that, you know, Biden is over there, you know, espousing the safety and, and security of Israel when our nation's falling apart. Well, and not you only know, that, the, the expiration date or the deadline just passed, like, at midnight, I want to say, and it opens up the, uh, it, it releases the prohibition on uh, some sort of armament shipments into Iran, uh, and right. like, and he could have extended that. Like, these are the architects sure. of the of the Iran deal, the nuclear deal, like the f yeah. uh, releasing all of the funds, and he's over there saying, "Oh, we're with you, we're with you." Can't believe this happens. Like, really, you've been pumping hundreds of millions of dollars into this region for terrorist activity. Right. And, and, and yet our borders are, are, are open. You know, our, our economy's falling apart. You know, this takes the focus away from our country being, you know, uh, oh, great, we get to worry about some other country now. Now, I'm not saying that I'm, 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 I'm you know, I don't love Israel, of course, you know, I mean, it's a great country, you know, but let's, let's, I would love to be able to, for the, you know, with my misinformed or disinformed media opinion, I would love for, uh, 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 for the focus to be returned to the United States. Let's talk about our borders. Let's talk about how, how, you know, we want to, the left wants to defund the police and leave borders open and, you know, all this crap that is, that we're not safe. We're not safe anymore. Right. Go to Home Depot. People are walking out the doors with material. Well, I think you know, also that's the the, the, uh, the attack on October 7th in Israel. Um, it should obliterate any of the arguments against 
uh, closing borders, securing the borders, and should obliterate any argument on gun control. Because, right. I mean, like, the, 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 that is exactly what happens. That's And when you, oh, well, will somebody need a high-capacity magazine? That's why you need a high-capacity magazine. That's precisely why. Well, that could never happen here. Well, it could because we've had open borders. Like, the, whole, like the argument makes itself, and uh, it's so obvious that I think this is, I think a lot of people on the left are, gonna, are very, very concerned about this, the way this is going to unfold in the presidential race if it doesn't lead us to World War III first. Uh, Bob, I do appreciate the call, man. I got to run. Thank you. This is from, I got this uh, message. I don't know who it's from. I asked him uh, who said this. It's just a screenshot. I almost feel like I've read this before. I think it might be James Lindsay, but I'm not sure. Who says, I'm not sure why so many folks are surprised by the widespread support for Hamas among the products of our education system. For generations, public education has been dominated by Marxist ideologies predicated on oppressor and oppressed views of the world. The indoctrination goes by other names, critical race theory, social-emotional learning, deconstruction, and the other forms of woke education. Our young people have been taught to feel for any group labeled as oppressed. Anti-racism is the new Marxism and their new religion. We need to take back our schools. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned this. This is... This is the nexus point, as Charles C.W. Cook pointed out in his piece. I've mentioned it. You know, others have have made this connection as well. And by the way, the caller before uh, Bob was his name, who was talking about, uh, you know, some of these old these historical um, uh, transgressions and terrorist attacks and such that the Palestinians engaged in uh, back in, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s and that was during a rise of this uh, of this leftism, this Marxism in in the nationalist, the Arab nationalist, pan Arab nationalism, that whole movement, and that's why a lot of people don't learn about those things is because it makes the left look bad, and they control the schools so they don't want to look bad, right? They're painting a different picture for uh, for the Utes to see. So let me get to, yeah, let me get to this. I uh, had a do, 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 do email here from our pal Kevin, um, who always says that I never talk about whatever he emails me about. Um, <laughs> he says, um, let me just skip here because he's references from UN. So he says, uh, he's, he says, you know, the audience isn't going to want to, this is going to be confrontational. Many of your listeners don't want to think about this. So that's, that's why Kevin always frames these things. It's always a passive aggressive. I demand you talk about this. That's the way, that's the way he rolls. Um, I'm just going to skip down to this part where he makes his assertion, which is Israel invaded Palestine in 1947, taking over land. Since then, they have continued to take over more and more land, pushing the Palestinians out of the land that had been theirs for hundreds of years. This is like if you, Pete, had 10 acres that had been in your family for, say, 200 years and someone came and forced you and your family to live on just a quarter acre of that land, not letting you out of that quarter acre land, would you be a little upset? All right. First off, Kevin, you are uh, you are historically illiterate, okay, uh, and ignorant on this. In fact, the link that you sent in this email, un.org, if you actually read it, it tells you, well, here. I'll just, I'll read it to you. 1917 to 1947, the British mandate. 
The Britons had taken over because they defeated the Ottoman Empire. 1917, the British now have the territories. They were placed under UK administration by the League of Nations in 1922. All of these territories eventually become fully independent states, except what they called Palestine. And they just, it wasn't a country. It was a UK administrative state. It was under the Ottoman Empire before that. It was called Palestine originally by the, uh, I want to say it was the Romans. And it was kind of like, they just called it that because the Philistines lived there, right? And they just named it that as some sort of shorthand for it. It was never a country. Anyway, um, the British mandate then incorporated in 1917 a thing called the Balfour Declaration, expressing support for, quote, the establishment in Palestine, which again, not a country, just a territory, an administrative state, the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. So it was 1917. During that mandate, where the British ruled from for 30 years, from 17 to 47, large-scale Jewish immigration occurs mainly from Eastern Europe. But you know what else happened? Arabs moved there. Because when the Jews moved in, first off, they were buying a lot of land. That's one of the things that Palestinians never like to talk about, is that they sold a lot of their land to the Jews. Jews came in, they bought the land, and then... Arabs were like, wow, look at this economic activity. Oh, look, they're making farms in the desert. Like, they're making this work. I want to be there. So they they started moving in, too. Um, then you've got mainly from Eastern Europe, uh, the numbers swelling in the 30s with the Nazi persecution. Arab demands for independence and resistance to immigration led to a rebellion in 1937. So, so what is Kevin's premise here? It is that Jews should not be allowed to immigrate into certain countries. That Jews are not allowed to legally move into a country. It's not even a country. Just based on their ethnicity and religion. Is that the standard? Arab demands for independence and resistance to immigration then leads to the rebellion, 1937. Terrorism. Violence, it all starts escalating, and the British are like, we are so done with you guys. (laughs) We are out. Um, But then they're like, hey, uh, you know what? We're uh, we're kind of in this existential fight for our lives, too, this whole World War II thing. And they were like, if you guys help us fight, we'll give you your land. We'll give you guys land. After the uh, World War II, 1947, the U.K. turns the whole thing over to the United Nations. They're like, you do it. We don't, we, we don't want anything to do with this. By the way, we have our winner. What was the winner's name on the tickets? David. David. David's our winner. So if you're calling about the tickets, we have our winner. Thank you, everybody, for playing. David, enjoy the game. All right, so um, 1947, which is what Kevin was referencing, that Israel invaded Palestine, 1947. Actually, and again, this is the link that that Kevin sent me. The U.N. proposed, after looking at alternatives, the U.N. proposed terminating the British mandate and then just partitioning the area into two independent states, one for Palestinians and the other for the Jews. 
and they would make Jerusalem uh, like an international city. One of the two envisioned states proclaimed its independence as Israel. They called themselves it, the Jewish state. They were like, we'll take it. Nice partition plan. We wanted more land than the Brits told us we were going to get if we helped them, but we don't care. Just give it to us. And so they accept the U.N. deal, the partition. The Arabs do not. And they proceed to wage a war immediately after independence is declared by Israel. Unfortunately for the Arabs, they got their asses kicked. And that means when you lose wars, when you invade another country and you lose the, the war, that country then takes you over. See, that's how that works. And this is apparently, this is something that this modern society has, for some reason, just lost track of this, this thing that's been true for millennia, that land is conquered and held by those strong enough to do so. And when the Arabs thought they were strong enough to take it from Israel, and then they lost, and then what happened? They lost land that they had used to attack Israel from, and then they went, what did they do? They went back to the U.N. and they're like, oh, Israel, they took our land and all this. Then they launched another attack 20 years later. The Arabs did. They got their asses kicked again. They lost more land. But then years later, like another decade or so later, Israel gives back the land, the Sinai Peninsula, gives it back to Egypt because they're they are interested in trading the land for peace. And the Palestinians, the Arabs from this area, they have been offered their state many, many, many times, four or five times. And they always reject it. Their motivation for living is to kill the Jews. It's in the charter. It's their founding principle. It's from day one. This has been what they're about. I don't understand why this is so difficult for people to understand. They have made this very clear. The land they've lost, they've lost because they invaded, they attacked. If they wanted to live in peace, they could do so. And that's the thing. That's the kicker on it. If you actually built up, like, you know, like this beautiful society in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, you built that up and you had all sorts of investment coming in, whatever, those borders would probably at some point get eradicated and you'd all be one country again, living in harmony. But you won't do it. You can't do it. You refuse to do it. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? Um, I got this from Russ. Liberal history teacher in high school showed a movie that was sympathetic to Palestinians. One scene was describing how Israel bombed them indiscriminately. Except you could see the damage on the building was on the opposite side from the Israeli flags on a wall. <laughs> so they would have they would had to have launched it from the sea. 
through some taller buildings, or they have missiles that can curve and come back toward Israel to make it look like the PLO had bombed their own. I got sent to the office for pointing it out. <laughs> oh, jeez, Louise. <laughs> There's a, uh, the magic bullet theory, down and to the left. Down and to the left. Right? I'm withholding, and then he says, uh, for me, I'm withholding judgment on the hospital attack until I see Malcolm Nance's detailed analysis. That's me. Malcolm Nance is an MSNBC leftist moonback guy. But um, right, that, that is one of, the, uh, one of the other stark ironies here in all of the coverage was that the same people who demanded there be like 17 proofs for every corpse and how they died and who did it before we're willing to believe any of these stories about the slaughter that occurred, the atrocities that occurred on October 7th, before we're willing to entertain any of that, we need all of your proof lined up, and none of it can be from uh, from a Jew, obviously, and none of it can be from Israeli Defense Forces. Um, uh, every video uh, has to be, have, like, an affidavit signed to it uh, with timestamps and, like, verification from, like, social media companies that this was actually shot and at the time. And, like, they needed all of this series of proofs before they would even entertain the idea that Palestinians or Hamas or Islamic Jihad would engage in any of this activity. But... All it took was Hamas coming out and saying Israel bombed a hospital. And that was it. They were off to the races. It was like, there you go, Israel war criminals, there you go. And then as the evidence comes out that, no, that, that's not what happened. It was actually an errant missile shot by Islamic Jihad, Palestinian or PIJ, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which is like Hamas Jr. When they get that evidence with actual video, time stamped, right? They actually have an intercepted phone call from a couple of these Islamic jihadi guys talking about, oh, crap, our bad, missile went awry, you know? And it's still, no, 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 we can't believe any of that. No evidence is ever sufficient. Nine years ago, there was a piece at the Times of Israel's headlined, Is Israel an Apartheid State? You hear this too. Benjamin Pogrund pioneered the reporting of black politics in apartheid South Africa over 26 years of working for the Rand Daily Mail, one of the country's leading newspapers at the time. When I was a deputy editor, I ran the paper. I used to keep telling my staff, do not exaggerate. Report apartheid straight. Reporting it straight is sensation in itself. There is no need to exaggerate it. The same principle applies today to critics of Israeli policies with regards to the Palestinians. That according to this guy. Rather than accuse Jerusalem of practicing apartheid and thus draw an inaccurate parallel between two fundamentally different situations, those unhappy about Israeli policies should just let the bare facts speak for themselves, he said. Just tell the story. He says this idea that Israel is an apartheid state is built on a foundation of simple untruths and exaggeration and extor- and distortion, rather. And this is a guy who was a close friend of Nelson Mandela. This guy knows what apartheid is. And he says, this is not it. And when you use that term, you're engaging in hyperbole and exaggeration. And it's not necessary. You don't need to do that. If you don't like the policies of Israel, you actually are you're working... At counter, uh, you're, you're, you're uh, at counter odds to your mission. 
if you're trying to educate people about what's going on, people are going to get turned off when they know you're exaggerating or making false equivalents. But he's a Jew, so you can't trust him, I guess. Is that how that works in today's day and age? I guess. (laughs) 